This Cap Times podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Learn more at exactsciences.com. If you start messing with it, it will politely tell you, you know, please excuse me, I'm on my way to work. And it it it, it slowly gets more aggravated and uh, intense and direct in its language to where it will finally yell at you, you know, get out of my way. And if you still don't, alarms go off. Hello, this is The Corner Table, a podcast about food and drink in Madison, Wisconsin, produced by the Capital Times. I'm Lindsay Christians. And I am Chris Lay. Uh, By now... Pretty much everyone in town has spotted those adorable little white delivery robots zipping around campus. Most likely, you've seen them crossing traffic on Johnson Street, somewhere between Park Street and Lake Street. In fall of 2019, UW-Madison was the fourth and largest university to try out these Starship food delivery robots, and people fell in love with them. Well, some students called them slow, inefficient, pathetic little wallies, but the others adopted them. They rescued the robots from the snowbanks, and they posed for pictures with them. Like most of you, Lindsay and I had a whole host of questions. So we invited Peter Testery, the Director of Dining and Culinary Services at UW-Madison, to come on the podcast and explain just how these adorable little guys work. I personally have never been compelled to order nachos delivered slowly by a rolling cooler, but I gotta say this interview was a blast to record. Give a listen. Peter, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So first of all, can you just tell us your job title and what association you have with the adorable delivery robots? So yeah, my name is Peter Testori, and I'm the Director for Dining and Culinary Services uh, for the Housing Division here on campus. Uh, Essentially, we oversee the food service for all the students that live on campus and all the residence halls. Um, And uh, the the little robots are part of our uh, offerings that we offer to uh, the residents that live on campus as well as the campus community. When did they first join campus? Um, they came onto campus November of last year. I, I'm sorry, October of last year um, was when we launched. Um, it was we worked all throughout the summer, uh, the previous summer, to get them on campus, and then uh, uh, late October is when they rolled out. And what did the I guess getting getting them ready for campus look like? <laughs> A lot of planning and meetings and conversations. Um, but really it was, you know, making sure that, uh, everyone on campus was on board. All of our campus partners, um, had their chance to ask questions and to see the details of the robots, kind of how they operate, uh, to bring up any concerns they have. And then, you know, our campus is kind of half campus kind of area. And then a lot of campus is on, uh, city streets and sidewalks, uh, particularly Gordon Dining and Event Center is surrounded by city sidewalks and streets. So uh, we had to have some conversations with the city to see if they would allow the robots uh, on city streets and, and sidewalks. And um, initially that was uh, an obstacle, but through conversations and discussions, um, uh, the city was willing to grant us um, a kind of a temporary approval, if you will, to see how things went. Yeah. And who was it that initiated the the process with the robots? Was it the company that makes the robots? Was it UW that 
you know, went after, you know, the, the company to have these uh, these robots installed. And I guess, does everybody just call them the robots? Is that what you talk about them? Like what you call them behind the scenes? Um, we call them Starship, the Starship robots, because um, that's the name of the company. Um, but really, the um, the Starship representative sent an email to me, reached out to me to see if this is something we would be interested in on campus. I immediately knew that this was something that we needed to explore, not knowing whether that it would work, we would be able to make it happen. Um, but we knew that students that are coming to campus, they want delivery, right? They want convenience. Mm -hmm. uh, they want things when they want them and they want them brought to them. And at that time, we were going through a significant staffing issue and we knew that we couldn't provide the service. We knew that there's no way we could staff it. Um, we knew that we didn't want to have a bunch of cars and additional cars running around on campus. So we thought, wow, this is could be a unique way to offer delivery to students, uh, offer delivery to wherever it is they are on campus and uh, keep the carbon footprint low and, you know, use technology at the same time when you're on a higher ed institution. Right. It's, yeah. That's really part of kind of what we're here to do is is to bring those types of new technologies to to the, the forefront. I mean, if you have a bicycle delivery person, that's not going to have too much of a tech foot or a carbon footprint either. But like, I wonder if people order from the delivery robots because it's fun to get a delivery robot. Like, does it up your delivery rates just because it's like a cool thing to do and it's still kind of a novelty? It definitely increases the cool factor. Um, that, that's for sure. Um, but, you know, one of the things about a bike delivery, you know, in Wisconsin, that would work about three months out of the year, right? Because the rest of the time it's winter. Um, mm. So there is that. But the great thing about these is you drop a pin, right? So when you want to place an order, you go onto the app and you drop the pin wherever you are on campus or within, you know, the, the delivery boundaries. Now, if you drop the pin in the middle of the street, the app will automatically move it to the nearest safest location. But really to have that convenience and to get uh, whatever it is you're ordering brought to you at that specific location to wherever you may be at the time, I think that that, that adds an extra piece of convenience that, you know, a delivery, you know, a traditional delivery service might not have. Yeah. Are there a lot of like, I mean, how, how, how have the students been uh, latching on to the new technology? I mean, I see, you know, them whenever I'm out and about. Yeah. But I mean, is there a um, like a, a large percentage of the student body that's using them? Are there a lot of return customers? Like, how is it being implemented or not, maybe not implemented, but how is it being, I guess, uh, enjoyed? What's yeah. The, yeah, the, the? There's a question in there. there? <laughs> yeah, I got you. Um, you know, it's interesting because not only is there a technology, a technology connection, there's an emotional connection to these things too. And it's very weird. <laughs> it is very weird because when they first came to campus, a, a couple of other schools had launched before us and I had talked to their director of food service. And he says, you know, one of the crazy things you're going to see instantly is that the students are going to embrace them as part of the campus, right? They are going to become part of, they're going to become one of their peers and almost as a campus pet if you will. And that is exactly what we saw. Yeah, there's a couple students that picked them up and put them up on a, a pedestal. Um, but those were very few and far between. Most of them, uh, the, the biggest issue we had, and we had at the beginning of this year too, with new students is 
it takes them so long to get to their delivery places because people keep stopping them and taking pictures. <laughs> Putting their stocking caps on them, dressing them up in scarves, petting them as they go by. And you really do see that. And, you know, you start to see, uh, you know, when one's stuck in the snow, a student will stop it and push it out of the snow. If one tips over, a student will stop and tip it up right in. It warms your heart a bit to see that because they're they're really taking taking care of the robots and they really are embracing them as part of the campus community. So not only do you have that piece, but then you have, you know on demand, right? And that's students, even, you know, students and pretty much everyone else these days, technology is how they do everything. And people want more and more technology. And in the food service industry, we not only have to make sure that our food is up to par and that we're keeping up with food trends and things that change so rapidly, but technology is like this whole other piece that is just kind of starting to get into the food service industry. And now we have to keep up with that as well. Um, but it's really about more than anything else, offering our students the, the best service that we can, giving them every convenience that we can, and really make sure that we're offering them, you know, a top-notch program when they come to UW-Madison. Yeah. Have you had to modify the menu at all to, you know, uh, take advantage of of the robots or is, are there any, I guess, uh, you know, issues with, you know, hot food staying hot or cold food staying cold? Are there, are there any limited offerings that, that you can order from there or any way that you've approached that? Yeah, no, we didn't. We kind of decided that one of the things that I've learned throughout, throughout my career is that when you launch something, if you don't kind of launch everything, the one thing you don't launch, that's what everyone's going to want, right? If we would have chosen one food option to not be included, um, that's what everyone would have wanted. Yeah. So we offered as, as much as we possibly could. We did some trials and the robots are very insulated and they do a great job of keeping hot foods hot, cold foods cold. There's a separator in the middle of the, the, the robot itself to be able to separate hot and cold items. Uh, the robots themselves are not heated and they're not chilled, but they're very good. They're very, they're very well insulated. So we knew that we wouldn't have any issues. We, there are parameters that we can set that we're actually setting now with our, uh, we just did a smoothie concept in Gordon Dining Event Center this year called Active Badger Cafe. And we're launching those on Starship. And as well as our Starbucks that just opened yesterday, we're gonna be offering them through Starbucks. And we can set delivery parameters. So we can say a delivery cannot take more than 20 minutes to get to this location. Right. To make sure that the hot beverage is hot, you know, the, the smoothie is still cold, those types of things. So we really try to manage it through that delivery piece. Then we do limiting the menu options. Yeah, that's a good idea because you don't want Babcock ice cream to go very far before it gets to where it's going, right? Like, um, or, you know, the other side of it is a lot of the times the things that you want delivered that you crave are things that are like fried for example. And the minute you put something fried in something enclosed, it starts to steam. The clock is ticking. Yeah. And all the crunchy goodness of those fries is starting to like wilt and get sad. So it's like timing is important. Yeah. Nachos is another good example of where they start to deteriorate extremely quickly. Um, one of the things about delivery is everyone expects a certain amount of an acceptable quality loss when you order delivery, right? You're oh, not sure. going to order a delivery, a delivered food item and expect it to be as hot or as fresh as if you were in the restaurant itself. 
So there is that acceptable gap, if you will. And we, we you know, we, we think we fall well within that. Um, and it's important to us to hit that. I want Latois level, like tweezer food. <laughs> right. Yeah. In and... my starship. <laughs> <laughs> I do. It's what I need. Yeah. So I was reading some stories about when the robots first arrived and there was a piece being like, we really hope they do well during winter. Cross fingers. They were made in Estonia. Like they should be good. Uh-huh. How did they do? Uh, they did great. Are there times when they get stuck in the snow? Yes. I get stuck in the snow, right? So it, it's going to happen. Um, you just need to push out and they're on their way. Um, those are very few and far between. Uh, there's Starship staff on site that if one sends an SOS beacon, they they come and they help it if no one else will. Um, the other times, and, and you know, quite frankly, if it's snowing hard enough to where they shouldn't be out, our campus partners are out clearing sidewalks. So they're not gonna be out anyway. When, they, when, they're, when they're clearing sidewalks or doing uh, winter maintenance, we shut off delivery at that time because we don't want, you know, head head on duels with them in a, a sidewalk sweeper. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we try to stay out of their way when they're doing their job during the winter. So we, we just didn't really have that option. I know that there was a lot of comments about that when we first launched and all the food's going to be cold and they're going to constantly get stuck. And But this year, this past winter, I don't think we really had a ton of snow either. But no, it, it, it worked out well. Yeah. Um, I mean, you mentioned, you know, certain ne'er-do-wells, putting them on pedestals, maybe. Um, <laughs> have have there been any uh, attempts to, you know, more, I guess, digitally invasive <laughs> attempts? Any, like, hacking or anybody that's, you know, a, attempted to access any of the technology or any of that? Or pry them open. Yeah, I, I can't speak if anyone's attempted. Uh, no one's been successful that I'm aware of. Um, and, and again, it's really the opposite. It's students look out for these things. Like sometimes the Starship staff will, you know, at the end of the night or if a robot needs some maintenance and it's on the other side of campus, they'll go and drive and pick it up and put it in their car. I've gotten emails galore the next day of someone stealing the Starship robot. You better go get them kind of thing. And it's just the Starship staff, you know, putting it in the car to take it back to its, you know, its headquarters. Um, so no, and, and as far as prying it open, you're not going to get it open. It, it locks and it, it can only be unlocked with, um, a code in your phone when you're within range to get your food out of the robot. If you start messing with it, it will politely tell you, you know, please excuse me. I'm on my way to work. Um, if you keep messing, it, 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 it slowly gets more aggravated and, uh, intense and direct in its language to where it will finally yell at you, you know, get out of my way. And if you still don't, alarms go off. Um, if you pick it up, alarms go off. Um, and so we haven't had, we haven't had any of those issues. So there has been just from, from a programming and developmental standpoint, there were, you know, efforts made to anthropomorphize these as much as possible to give them personalities, to give them a voice yep. so that they can communicate in potentially increasingly aggravated ways. <laughs> They, we, they program special, you know, anytime you get an order, it says, thank you. Have a great day. Um, uh, we did a graduation promo at the end of last year where the robot delivered a cap and gown to a student and, and say, congratulations, um, kind of thing. 
Uh, we're getting ready to do uh, for the first Badger football game. We're doing kind of a game day special to uh, encourage students to kind of watch the game with their roommates and kind of physical distance, that kind of thing. And, you know, we're going to program it to say go Badgers or on Wisconsin or, you know, go Bucky or something like that. Valentine's Day, it'll wish you a, night, a happy Valentine's. So, yeah, there is a little bit of that uh, personalization to give it some personality that, that they do. Yeah. This podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences. Join the Madison-based team working to lead earlier cancer detection. Visit exactsciences.com to view the company's hundreds of open jobs. As much as people seem to love them and like treat them kind of like robotic pets, when people hate them, they kind of hate them. Like they have really strong responses. I remember a coworker of mine was like, oh yeah, they're super creepy. I'm like, creepy? I don't, whatever. Like, in other words, they're like moving around. It's like a driverless car. And so it's a little unsettling, but also like, I don't know how expensive they are. Like if they were to like get run over or something, like that seems concerning. But so I, but I wondered, like, do you have responses to detractors? And like, it has there been a delivery robot backlash that you've seen? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, quite. Uh, have we had a couple complaints and emails? Most definitely, you know, and we knew that change is hard um, for some folks. And especially when you're bringing in technology um, to, to facilitate that change. Two of the things that we battled right up front in the beginning, and it was two pieces of misinformation from, you know, just quite frankly, not reading an entire article, um, is that's never happened to me. <laughs> we didn't pay for the robots. Um, Starship owns the robots. Uh, they collected delivery fee and there's a revenue share, but the university paid nothing up front for the robots. If one gets damaged, it's Starship's responsibility to fix and or replace. And then also it didn't take any full-time jobs. One, we were having an extremely hard time filling full-time positions at that time. So anyone that said that, my first response was, I have an application if you'd love to come work for us because we're hiring. (laughs) And then second, we actually had to add student positions to help kind of expedite the orders. So when they came in, um, someone, we hired students called robot delivery coordinators that would put the orders together and take them out to the robots and put the food in and then send them on their way. So really... Those were kind of two of the big pieces that we battled up front. And then um, there was some, you know, I don't know if it was um, dishappy with the robots or technology or change in general. But, yeah, there's definitely some people that were not fans of the service as a whole. Okay. Is there, I mean, not to at all, you know, put on any kind of like tinfoil hat about it. But, I mean, is there any, you know, information sharing that that starships getting on on their end of things i mean i i can't imagine that there's a whole lot of you know that anybody can do with you know this guy in dorm xyz really likes you know chicken tenders or something but you know is there any anything along those lines that the starship is is getting um data wise on their end no the the robots don't record um strictly navigational um there's nothing um that can be identifiable from any of the screens that the robots are, are driving um, purely for GPS and sensor for them to know what's within their radius to stop or to move. 
Are there any problems that still remain after their first full year? Like, are they causing any traffic jams? Are they, are there any other little quirks that you've needed to work out? Um, no, no. And, and it's, I gotta be honest. I expected a little bit more, you know, we are in a downtown, right? Where, um, I expected to, um, that I'm aware of, we haven't had any traffic issues, um, with them. Probably one of the bigger issues we've had is that cars not going because they're, they may be at a four-way stop and a robot sitting on the sidewalk and the car doesn't want to go because they think the robot's <laughs> going to go and then hit the robot and the robot's not going to hit the car. Um, but really, so the robots are pretty much 90% autonomous and 10% human controlled. And really when they're at those intersections, that's part of when they're human controlled, right? So if a robot's just sitting at an intersection, most of the time they're either waiting for you to go so that they no longer sense a car within their vicinity. Or if it's a busier street, they're waiting for a human to actually take control of them and have them safely cross the street. And that's really more when you're looking at University and Johnson and, and streets like that. Yeah. Outside of that, they've, they've really been a blessing, especially during this pandemic, that's for sure. Yeah, that was one of the things that I was going to mention because you brought up you know, socially distancing for football games. And I mean, you know, um, how much of, you know, the quarantining and pandemic has, how much of that has affected the general, you know, food service on the whole, as well as just like the robot? I assume that there's been an uptick in usage. Yeah. So the way the pandemic's affected food service at a whole, I think we could do a whole nother show <laughs> just on that topic yeah. in general, but it's really turned our world upside down. Um you know, just to kind of sum it up in the way that we serve, interact with customers. And it's really our dining rooms. It's really taken us from, uh, you know, a, an industry that really embraces their customers and welcomes them and talks to them and asks them how their day is to ushering them in and out as fast as we can. And that's just not really what we're about. So that's been really tough for us to, to adapt to. As far as the robots, when, uh, when campus first closed back in March, the robots were, and they were really the only activity outside on campus. Um, they were, people use the robots, like you would just hear the dinging constantly going off. Gordon was our only unit open. And that's really what people were primarily using because you want to talk about a contactless interaction. You can't get any more contactless than that. So, and then this year, I, I don't know if people are using it more or less because of the pandemic, because our, our sales transaction numbers are mirroring kind of what they were last year. So um, I think that's tough to say. I think that we do have a lot of repeat users and I'm, I'm sure there's a percentage of those individuals that are using that so that they don't have to go into a dining facility or they may live off campus and can't get into a dining facility. Yeah. How many robots do you have now a year in and how many do you want to have going forward? Like, what's the future of this program? We have 35, um, and that's how many we've had since we've started. Um, we have no immediate plans to increase uh, the fleet numbers. The number of orders that we have on a regular basis are those 35 can very easily handle that workload. Um, I don't have a grand idea of how many robots I want. Uh, or, or will need. I think that the Starbucks coming online, that will increase the demand. Uh, so we'll just have to see as to however many we need to service the students that are wanting to use the service. And that's what's important. 
Yeah. I'm really happy to hear that you have the same amount that you started with. Cause one of the things I was wondering is if you've had to like retire and, and that would have made me very sad. <laughs> no, nope. Still have the OGs. Nice. I was looking at, uh, as, as I said, I was doing some research before we chatted and there was a student who said it took an hour and a half to receive his chicken wings. And he was like, but it was such a novelty. Um, have there been efficiencies that have improved over the past year? Yeah, I think that's where when you see delivery times like that, there's kind of two things that that can cause that. One is, well, three things. One is the business cycle at the time, right? How busy is it? You know, are we waiting on robots to get back before we can fill them to send out are you on the lakeshore side of campus and you're ordering from Gordon? Um, that can increase your delivery time. So, and then it, are people stopping them to take pictures and selfies and pet them and those types of things? But one of the things about the is, you know, it's all customer based, right? And it's all customer decision. So when you open the app, it tells you how long your your delivery is going to be. So if it says an hour and a half and you're fine with that, you're studying at the library and it really doesn't matter, then you know what? It works for you. If it says 45 minutes, that works for you too. So really it's just your personal decision, you know, whether you want that time frame is good for you. Um, and for a lot of folks from a lot of students we talked to that had uh, those long delivery times, it worked for them. We had one student last year who would tell us that she would get on the bus leaving class, place her order then. So by the time she got back to her resident hall, the robot was waiting at the front door for her. She would get her food and go straight up to her room. Yeah. You just need to, as a user, turn it into a feature instead of a bug. Right. <laughs> That's exactly right. I, I love that mentality of like, I don't need it right now, but I know what I'm going to. Yeah. Right? right. So right now the robots serve just campus entities, right? Like it's just a campus food thing. Is the city of Madison into this? Do you know? Like, does the city of Madison want to be like, yeah, let's get on this train too? So the city of Madison did approve our city area that's on campus. Um, sure. Okay. Big streets. But then um, when the pandemic uh, hit in April-ish, the city granted a temporary expansion to Starship. And this is Starship's uh, negotiations with the city. We weren't really part of this. And then they started to offer a, a couple third-party restaurants. It was a way to, you know, help some community restaurants, maybe get some business during that time add some additional options to students that were living in those off-campus areas. Um, and I can't remember the the district number, but it's it's kind of the area down Dayton um, along the commuter path, kind of that area over there. And the city did just grant a temporary extension of that. So we are delivering, um, and then there's not any third parties involved right now, but we are delivering to those areas as well, but I'm not sure if the city will uh, approve that permanently or if that's still temporary or if there'll be additional expansion. Um, we wanna offer our services to anyone within the campus community that is interested. So if the city's on board, we're on board with providing you know, our services. Sure. I you know, had a job when I was in grad school working on campus and it is one of the most bureaucratic places to work and be. Like lots of love for UW. I went there, but like how I, I have to wonder how long did it take you from like, Hey, this would be cool 
to their arriving on campus. I mean, I think one year, like it would have been like four years and we finally got a new website and then people were still like, you know, I think we should fix this other thing. Like, it's amazing to me. So I'm just curious, like how long, like real talk, how long did it take? Real talk. <laughs> oh boy, Lindsay. Um, <laughs> do we need to turn, stop recording for a minute? <laughs> So we started started the conversations in May and we launched in October of that same year. So it was a, um, and I was going through the the traditional uh, purchasing RFP process and things like that. So it was um, from, from my experience here on campus, it was a rather quick turnaround um, to get this launched. I was for sure you were going to say like 2014. (laughs) No. (laughs) <laughs> that would have been before my time. <laughs> I mean, so like, do you have a background that's tech related at all? Like you're in food service. Like, did you ever do anything like this in previous work? No, oh. no, um, um, not at all. But um, I am extremely dedicated to, you know, cutting edge technology and offerings and services and, you know, just constantly bringing options to our students. Um so whether I understand any of it or not, I know that it's cool and I know that students want it, um, especially getting feedback from them at the same time. So, you know, and technology is the way of the future. I don't know that it matters what industry you're in, right? Technology, I think, is is definitely the way to go forward. Yeah. What does the, like, what does it look like for students to get used to this? Is there, like, when you go to the, you know, housing or the food service website to you know, make a request through the app. Um, like are, are students being told how to use this at their orientation? Is there just like a video on how to handle it? Or is it just do kids, am I just being like an old man who, you know, just does, it takes for granted that kids just know how to do this stuff. Is this just like TikTok doesn't mean anything to me? Or what? You know? <laughs> they, they just know how to do this stuff. Um, you know, uh, even, you know, I talk about my 15 year old who uses Uber Eats and DoorDash and, um, all these different apps and they, they already know how to use them. And it's just, you know, you tell them where it is and it, and it's really no different than ordering on an Uber Eats or a DoorDash or a Eat Streets or anything like that. So they're very familiar with that. And especially it's very much like an Uber or Lyft app, you know, you drop the pin where you want it. And then you place your order and then you watch the robot on its way to you. Um, so it's very familiar feeling. Um, so the learning curve is is relatively small. The thing about those things is there are sometimes some darker sides of the people impact, right? Like something like Uber, if they're working with contractors, they can be really poorly treated, for example. Or something like Grubhub and DoorDash, I've heard about these predatory practices when they're working with restaurants where they're just charging a lot of money to the restaurant or putting up websites in their name or, you know, things that are kind of shady that that are, I, I think, fairly common in startup tech, but not in other industries that are sort of taken aback by them. But it sounds like the way that the university is able to work with these robots, and it's two bucks, right? Extra for the delivery or something. If it's in a robot, I read $1.99. Yeah. So, uh, but, but I wonder, like, it it seems like this is a, a real, a good situation in terms of like minimizing those kinds of negative impacts. Yeah. And that's anybody we deal with. Um, It's very important to us that any vendor manufacturer or service provider that we do business with here in, in housing, dining, that, 
they meet our values, that we get a good feeling for their company, their practices. Um, we try to stay away from from companies that we don't feel they, they share the same values as we do with, didn't matter what it is. And we really felt that in conversations with Starship, seeing how they got their start, where they came from, what their goals were, that it was a good fit for us. Yeah. So this is going to be, I mean, do you see this as just going forward? I mean, this is going to be something that just is going to be ingrained in, I mean, not just UW, because it sounds like there's a ton of other campuses that have been, you know, employing the Starship devices. This is just going to be part of the university landscape now? I think so. I think so. I think that it's, um, we're into our second year. It's been successful for us. We haven't had uh, negative either campus community or general community impacts. Um, it's giving students the convenience that they need and want. You know, students are juggling a ton these days, and anything we can do to make their lives any easier is is a win for everyone. So I don't. I, I think it's it's here to stay for us, um, and and we're happy with the program, and the feedback is awesome. So that could change if students start having a lot of negative feedback and don't value the service and don't use it. Then yeah, we'll have different discussions. I feel like the first parallel I made with the Starship delivery robots was with the scooters that I saw in bigger cities where people were like <laughs> signing out scooters and then leaving them places. But the difference is that these have food in them and they have a specific destination, right? And they return to that destination. They just don't stay in the middle of a sidewalk. Yeah, they go back, right? They're little boomerangs. Yep. I Earlier in the conversation, I was like, oh, these are like... Tamagotchi, but they roll and have food inside. Nah. So, you know, they're little pets. Um, just as to wrap things up here a little bit, um, do you have something, maybe even something new that you've recently introduced to one of the campus dining locations that you're really excited about right now? What's your latest innovation in campus dining that you're most pumped about? Um, so that's two things, and both I've kind of already mentioned. One is the uh, the Active Badger Cafe, which we took um, in collaboration with Recwell. We tried to f- uh, focusing on healthy smoothies, um, a little bit healthier fare, which is um, heavily requested from students today. And then our Starbucks, um, the Starbucks, which is located in Smith Hall, which was the Newell's Deli previous. It is. I might be a little biased, and I've been in Starbucks kind of all over the country. This is the nicest Starbucks I've ever been in. It has an awesome vibe in it. Um, it's it's beautiful. So I think that that's going to be an, op- an an awesome option for students uh, moving forward. That's awesome. Well, thank you very much again for for being here with us today. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Anytime. been The Corner Table, a podcast about food and drink in Madison, Wisconsin, produced by the Capital Times. Patrick Christians composed our music, and Natalie Yar edits the show. We're going to be dropping episodes every other week, and they are available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you can find Lindsay and myself individually on Twitter and wherever else, uh, and you can find us together as a show on Facebook. We always say go to captimes.com for more food and drink news. But this week, there's a bonus. My colleagues Rob Thomas and Ruthie Haug went onto campus and followed one of those little robots around for like a day in the life story. And it's fantastic. So check that out. 
I am absolutely going to check that out. Uh, <laughs> and I would like to plug a couple of other shows here too. If you are into movies, you should subscribe to the podcast that I co-host, Just to Be Nominated, uh, which is out every other week. And the episode that drops this Friday, fittingly enough, is all about scary movies. Just to Be Nominated, you can find that wherever. Also, if you're not up to your ears in politics talk already, you should at this very moment subscribe to Wedge Issues, the Wisconsin-centric show hosted by Cap Times opinion editor Jesse Opoyan. Uh, if you aren't already, which you should be, but if you aren't, do it now. And of course, go behind the scenes of the Cap Times cover story every week with the show Mad Splainers. Mm-hmm. I am Lindsay Christians. And I am Chris Lay. Our wish for you this week is pizza delivered by a robot. Because, I mean, best case scenario, it shows up piping hot. And worst case scenario, it's still pizza, right? Right. Cheers. (laughs) (laughs) Because pizza. I mean, that's the answer to life, the universe, and everything. This podcast has been brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Cologuard. Once again, be sure to learn more at exactsciences.com.